Welcome back in to the newest episode of the Hot Hangout Podcast. We are super glad uh, to have you joining us here this morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time of day you're listening. And uh, we also, before we get started into everything, want to say a big thank you to those of you that are subscribed to the Hot Hangout channel over on YouTube. We officially hit that 100 subscriber mark. Actually, I think we're almost at 110 at the time of this oh. recording, so... Uh, much love to all the support over there. And again, before we get into all the nitty-gritty of the newest episode of Season 3, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian, uh, Joey is back from vacation, first of all. Joey, what's going on, man? How are you? I am happy to be home. Uh, I did enjoy it. We had a good vacation in San Francisco. But you know how it is when you're gone too long. You want to get home to your own bed, your own... Uh, your own surroundings, so we finally made it back, and so I'm excited to be back. And back to my usual setup for the podcast, it was kind of weird. I was just in the dining room of my uh, in-laws' house, trying to keep it quiet because we're like right below their bedrooms too. So <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of weird, but no, we we made it work. And yeah, it, during that time, yeah, we hit the hundred subs, so that was exciting. And yeah, now we're back with some more Mandalorian. Definitely. And actually, after this week, only two more weeks. It's hard to believe. Right. Those eight episodes fly by so fast. Uh, but yeah, glad you made it back safely from your vacation. And uh, we've got a, a good one here this evening planned. I uh, want to, again, say thank you to those of you that listen to us on Spotify or Apple. That's where you're able uh, to catch the Hoth Hangout podcast. And if you want to, of course, catch the video version, that's available on the Hoth Hangout podcast YouTube channel. And uh, again, yeah, thank you so much for 100 subs over there. So uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to know where to start with this week's episode of The Mandalorian. Um, I don't know if you want to dive right in or, or if we want to maybe give our overall thoughts on... For me personally, the episode ended. And I don't think I disliked it as much as a lot of people will probably not like this episode. Um, you know when you finish an episode of a show and you can have a pretty good I feel like we're both pretty good at this like we have a general sentiment of not only how we feel about the episode but also just how the general public will respond to the episode I this episode ended and immediately I thought people are not going to like this one <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it suffers from the same problem that we had with some of the earlier Bad Batch episodes this season, in that it felt like a giant side quest. At least in, in my perception. I don't know. It, it, you might have felt differently, but um, really the, the crux of this episode, the stuff that kind of pertains to the story of the season and like the culture of Mandalore and, and this whole you know building of the Mandalorian themes of this season, which have been going kind of slowly up to this point, they don't really exist until like the last 10 minutes of the episode. Um, not to say the rest of the episode wasn't cool. And we'll get to a lot of the cool cameos, of course, in the episode. Uh, but what did you think about all that in terms of the overall vibe and, and how it pertains to the rest of the season? I, I didn't have to wait until the end of the episode to have that feeling. <laughs> um, when I saw the first couple of cameos, I kind of knew right away. I'm like, this is going to go a way that people might not like. Right. Um, I, and I tried to think back to other Star Wars or other franchises that have 
have these types of cameos because these aren't just there's a difference between having cameos of you know just people that you kind of know but then there are the people that you absolutely know exactly and and i think that can cause problems because you can't see them out of and you know you know big shock you know if you're if you're watching us here on youtube you know already know who we're talking about uh, if you see a Jack Black, I'm sorry, I'm thinking School Rock. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking thin, Tenacious. Tenacious D. D yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's hard to it's sometimes hard to separate that into some and and Star Wars has always felt like and you know to me has always felt like this independent project. <laughs> you know, where it's just like you're not supposed to have really huge people in it. It's a great point. You know, it's it, you're never you're never supposed to have, you know, if anything, the reason the people are big, a Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, is because they were in Star Wars, not the other yeah. way around. They they didn't become big, and then you introduce them into Star Wars. You know, um, so having Jack Black, having Lizzo, um, these are Christopher you know, Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, um, these are very difficult people to not see other roles in you know yeah for for as in star wars um in a star wars so i i where and then that's that's where i came up with the thought of yes right away when i saw them and kind of how they were their roles were that yeah this episode might not be it for everybody <laughs> um i personally i enjoyed it i think you and i i have been trained by bad batch this year <laughs> um knowing what star wars can be um, sometimes it can just be fun. There's nothing wrong with that. And I, and when you take that angle, when you start looking at it from that lens, I think this is a much more enjoyable episode as opposed to what, you know, you want to know the nitty gritty of, of the Mandalorians and um, what's going to happen with Grogu and, and this storyline and that plot line. Um, if you go away from that, you can just sit here and just enjoy this episode, uh, which I, I which I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I you know I don't think there was in anything other than the fact that it felt like a side quest. I don't think there was anything inherently not interesting about the episode. Uh, but to to kind of speak to the you know the uh, the guest appearances, so to speak, uh, these characters. I mean, especially Jack Black because like he he is such a like a presence when he's on the screen. Yeah. This is why I think Jack Black for the rest of his career, um, and probably the past ten years it has been the same way. Or basically since the release of School of Rock, I think he struggles not because he's not a good actor, but he's just like so who he is that every time you see him on screen, you're like, I'm not taking that guy seriously. You know what I mean? Right. Which is he why was, I think and he, he was in the Empire, right? <laughs> That's kind of what what his roots were. So right, which is so. I, I want I yeah. want to see that backstory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give us a give us a spinoff show, Jack Black, and like his you know how he's running things in the in the imperial uh set of in the imperial suit or whatever. Um, but no, I, I he's just such a larger than life personality that that it's just hard to take him seriously in any role. This is why I think he's he's going to do really well in animated roles uh, for the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. it, it kind of uh, the Super Mario Bros, which I didn't, it's coming around, it's coming out around out. the time. Yeah, it might already be out by now. I need to go see that, by the way. Me too. Uh, for those that don't know, he plays Bowser in the Super Mario Bros movie, and so 
like that fits to me. I can see him in that role because I think largely because it's animated and just like seeing his him visibly like in live action. Again, he's such a like a presence that it's so hard to take the role seriously. Even even his role in this this episode was like I feel like it was written as a serious role. And then they're like, what if we cast Jack Black in it? And it has kind of a comedic tone to it. Right. And so it did kind of come across that way. Um, and, you know, Lizzo was, I thought Lizzo was pretty good. I had never seen her act in anything before. Um, you know, for a first time performance, I didn't have any glaring issues with it. I just kind of felt like my feelings toward the whole not maybe when we first met them, but towards the end of that arc of the episode uh, on the, what is it? Plezier 15, the name was the name of this planet. My feelings toward the whole portion of the episode were so kind of, eh, that by the end of the arc, I was kind of like, okay, this was like fun having them, but right, it didn't do a whole lot for me, I guess. Right. Uh, the Christopher Lloyd one was interesting to me too. By the way, do you know what this whole episode felt like to me? Scooby-Doo. Uh, yes yes it was, I was like wait, a... i was waiting for christopher lloyd to say and i would have gotten, gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling mandalorians <laughs> the whole episode felt like a scooby like it was like mm, okay here's what we need to do let's trace the steps let's mm -hmm. go to the uh the ugnots let's go to the droids let's investigate let's right. follow someone as they're running away like this battle droid you know um, let's get a clue from the battle droid. Oh, look whose face it is. The person we would have least expected. Right. Anyways, the whole thing felt like a Scooby-Doo episode to me. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Can, and can, you, can we talk about how that battle droid could run as yeah. well as it did? I thought that was kind of cool, I guess. We've never seen them cool. do that before. I was a little, it was a little scary. I don't know if you've ever seen those robots that they're able to make flip and like run uh -huh. like and this in, in real life it reminded me of that i'm like i don't want that you know that's kind of scary yeah. if, you, <laughs> if battle droids can run that fast i didn't realize that. right yeah yeah i was trying to think of like what other like popular media in movies or tv that reminded me of it was almost like terminator terminator <laughs> irobot yeah like these yeah. these machines that move like very fast almost faster than human speeds I, I didn't have an issue with it i thought it was cool just makes me think about like Attack of the Clones though on Geonosis, why they're all mm -hmm. moving like so slow mm -hmm. now. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. <laughs> why didn't they True. just all run? Or right. who knows? Maybe they were remodded to run faster or something. What was cool? But... What one cool part about that whole droid plot line was the and and I have a feeling this may come up and maybe this will be looked over just because of everything else that had happened this episode. The technology of it was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Where um, they used like nanorobots in order to mm -hmm. essentially reprogram these droids into doing whatever, you know, um, old man Skidders or whatever his name was, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, was able to. Um, um, I just, I was, I was thinking of him as Christopher Lloyd the whole time too. Uh, Hellgate. Yeah, too. Hellgate was his name, Commissioner yeah. Hellgate. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so the the technology for that is actually kind of cool. So I wonder if we're gonna see that again, um, to be reprogramming droids in similar fashion. Because I don't think I think that's the first time we've ever seen something like that. Um, I think it where might you're be able, where you're able to essentially re reprogram, you know. And these were all imperial droids too, and kind of knew right away when uh, Mando and well Din Djarin and Bo-Katan got off that, you know, that little transport, and there was, like, the black 
uh, protocol droid and R2 unit right there, which reminded me, I don't know if anybody has read Dr. Aphra, reminding me of her droids who are basically murder bots. So <laughs> I, I thought, I'm like, oh, are these them? That would be really cool, but it wasn't, I don't think. But um, So I think the, uh, I, I, I think hopefully we, we see a little bit more of that technology. Yeah, a couple things on that as well. The first thing was, uh, you know how like the, uh, not the code, what, what's, what am I looking for? Like uh, a chain code. You know how the chain code was like, like on the wall of you know this microscopic blown up version. My question was, why? Like, is that like a Scooby Doo thing where he's like, I have to leave a trace to that leads back to me? Right. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Like, why couldn't it just have been blank? That was what I was confused yeah. about. Right, right. I I don't know if that was somehow like required or necessitated as part of him like implanting those microscopic nanodroids into the serum or whatever. Uh, so that was one question I had about the whole thing. Uh, and then the other thing that, you know, was more of an overarching thought was that this kind of brought into question the concept of sentience mm -hmm. um, to kind of, I guess, yes. to relate it to like something like Terminator or iRobot again. Uh, there's this whole scene which is basically like the inverse of the new hope scene where they walk into the cantina and it's like, no droids. You gotta let, you gotta stay outside. They, the, you know, the, uh, Din and, and Bo walk into this cantina, uh, that's all for droids. And they, you know, there's the exact same like mirrored image of them all mm -hmm. stopping what they're doing and turning and looking. Uh, although the droids, especially the droid at the bar seem to be a lot more, uh, accepting of, of Din and Bo than the, uh, <laughs> And the guy in episode four did with C-3PO and uh, R2. Or, yeah. oh, I guess R2, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, well, during that scene, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, even the way that the bartender droid was really talking, mm -hmm. he was saying like, you know, oh, this is kind of how we feel. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that, <laughs> like, what do you mean? You know, like, yeah. you're, you're, you're droids. You don't feel. You don't have, you know. Um, but yeah, maybe there there's something to that. Um, I don't know, because... You know, with with droids, they always have like a personality to them, right? Right. So it kind it kind of makes sense that you know the the whole sentient question will come up at some point, like because I think of ones like you know K two S O, or I think of um what was Lando's droid, the one for the Millennium Falcon, was it L seven or something like that? I can't Ooh, yeah, I don't remember. But like she was, she was a good one. Um, obviously three PO, um, BB eight. You know, yeah. Do kind of had these you know, PTSD feels to them too. You know, so I mean, there's there's definitely, you know, more questions to be asked about droids and how much they really know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, even the, you know, even in the Clone Wars, like the battle droids, even though like mm -hmm. a lot of it is silly, they're like, oh no, like they they cut my arm off with a lightsaber. Blah. You know, they're in their that weird squeaky right. high voice. Um, But I think this episode brought it into question in a way that we've never sort of addressed before maybe k2so is probably the best example of that up to this point you know when he uh w when uh when they lose him but um yeah i, I so i thought that was interesting because i didn't expect that to come from this episode if anything that might have been my favorite kind of poking and prodding of star wars concepts with the episode mm -hmm. that outside of the last 10 minutes um but then the, of course, the other cool part of this episode was the the Christopher Lloyd reveal, 
Uh, definitely didn't see the whole separatist thing coming, which I felt like this same, was kind of like a, a revamped version of something that had already happened in several Clone Wars episodes. Like, oh, he's a separatist. Like, they find it out. Mm, yeah. But it was also interesting to see it now because this is way after the Clone Wars, and this is like a remnant of something that was years and years and years ago. You know, he even he even cites Count Dooku as a visionary, mm -hmm. I think was the word he used. So, I don't know. It, it was interesting. I... Didn't have any issues with it, but I th I think they are trying to. I think they're setting us up for some more Count Dooku stuff because the amount of Dooku references we've had in Bad Batch. Remember that first episode in Bad mm -hmm. Batch? Now, now here, obviously, we had Tales of the Jedi. Um, we had you know the audio book. I I feel we we're just gonna. I think Count Dooku is gonna just gonna be around for a little while now. More more content with it, and I'm not I'm not mad about it, but it's interesting that. They, we, his name just keeps coming up. Yeah, I would love a live action um, Dooku show, maybe that takes place probably between, or maybe even across time, like between mm -hmm. episodes from the beginning of the prequels until, you know, yeah. the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. I, I feel like they are really trying to like get all they can out of that character because I think people care about that character. So anytime they can drop him in, even as like a you know a reference like they did in this episode, uh, I think it's pretty cool. This episode also directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who, um, if you don't know, she was also the one that directed. I don't know exactly what episode it was in season two, but it was the episode where we're introduced to Bo-Katan. So she has now directed like two pretty key Bo-Katan episodes, both the one where we're introduced to her and the one where you know the responsibility is upon her. Uh, at the end of the episode, to sort of challenge, uh, his name is uh, Axe Wolves, who is the leader of this group of of Mandalorians, who she has lost, or, or maybe they've lost some respect for her, uh, and now he's their leader, and so she challenges him. Um, so again, Bryce Dallas Howard might be the Bo-Katan Whisperer. Um, yes. And then in regards to the end of the episode, uh, the the challenge, the uh, eventual, you know, giving of the dark saber. By the way, I called that theory. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I I want to hear your your thoughts on on that theory, and I also want to put something else out there in connection with it. In that, I feel like this the end of this episode where Din is kind of like, oh well, the thing captured me, and then she killed the thing that captured me. So technically, it is hers. Um. First of all, did you think there was anything that took away from that? Uh, that that moment? Yeah, only because like the the reason for that was that he was like captured by a robot, essentially. Like it wasn't like this like evil hmm. person or evil force who like you know took down Din and then Bo like killed this like this person who had been evil for a few episodes. It was like something we met that episode. It wasn't. I don't think it was technically sentient. I don't know. Maybe it was it that the, little eyeball. Eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know. That took away from it just a little bit for me. Not a lot. I I still, mm -hmm. because your theory was that, you know, that thing capturing him and her rescuing him, that she's now right. the rightful uh, wielder of the Darksaber. Right. Yeah. I, when, at the beginning of the episode, when it showed the, 
you know, uh, you know, prior episodes, like what, what's leading up to this, you, you always can have a good idea of what's going to be showing up in the episode. And I think uh, they showed a little bit of that battle or I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was something in, in that free roll that led me to believe I'm like, all right, it's happening today. <laughs> this is, this is when the dark saber is going to be handed over to Bo-Katan and this, and my theory is right. And I think this is what's going to happen here. Um, I did selfishly want that to be wrong <laughs> because I think the conflict between the two of them was that was the dark saber. Yes. You know, every, everything, everything up until that they were in line with everything else. They, you know, they, you know, they went to Mandalore together. Well, not together, but you know, they, they, they've been helping each other out ever since they met, you know? And the only thing that was kind of interesting between them was the dark saber who was properly the owner of it. But now you kind of just gave it away because of a technicality. I think somebody called it the elder wand, like from Harry Potter, like <laughs> yeah. kind of the same, same idea that I yeah. saw on Twitter. It does abide by pretty much the same rules, like, you know, winning it in combat. Um, mm -hmm. Something that I was thinking about, which uh, is, go is going off of that, that same thought, um, oh my gosh! You ever re do you ever have a thought and you're just like it's on the tip of your tongue and then it just escapes from your brain? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I wanted to delve more into this. Anyways, I'll I'll let you finish your thought and maybe my thought will come back to me. But um, yeah. But but basically, yeah. I, I think the I think I did take away from it a little bit. Um, because now it's just like well, for two seasons, the Mandalorian Din Djarin was kind of the lead for all of this, you know, and now we've got Bo-Katan. I mean, it's hard to argue that she's not the one. She's the chosen one mm -hmm. for this season, you know. Um, again, not upset with it at all. But now where does Din really fall in? Where, right. where, Why am I caring about Din other than he is like the dad of Grogu? Right. <laughs> you know, and that, that, I mean, that's his only role here. And so I can see how, how people would, again, I'm fine with it because I love Bo-Katan. You know, there's a lot of history with Clone Wars and everything like that. But I can see if people were really bought into this series um, to only get kind of the, the bait and switch here. Now, okay, basically Bo-Katan's your hero. So yeah. we're following her around, you know. And and even even throughout this episode, you can, you could see, you know, Bo-Katan kind of giving Din the, the look like when he was trying to, you know, scare the droid with the, the taser or whatever. And she was like, let's not do that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, what did we talk about? You know, so I th I think... I could see how some people may not like this episode because this is kind of the, this is the end of Din Djarin from as we know him right now because it's just what you know what more that was like his only like thing was the dark saber at this point, mm -hmm. but now he's just you know any other Mandalorian. I have a theory. I remember what I was gonna say based off of what you were saying. Um, I have a theory that this whole third season was, was a dream. That'd be wild, dude. I, I have a theory that this whole third season was originally intended to be like a Din Djarin versus Bo-Katan season. And that Grogu, I don't even think, was supposed to be in this season. Mm -hmm. I, I think when, when they were coming up with The Mandalorian, I think Grogu was originally, before the show ever came on, was supposed to be like this inroad into us developing a love for Dinjarin because we saw how caring he was for Grogu. And then because Grogu took on like this huge 
you know, lo people love Grogu, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. And because of that, I think there was probably some pressure from show, not necessarily like John Favreau or Dave Filoni, but like the higher ups, like yeah, the Disney right. people, when when they when they brought up season three, like okay, this is gonna be the Din Djarin versus Bo Katan, like like battle for the dark saber season. I think the higher ups at Disney were probably like, well, but yeah, that's cool, but where's Grogu? <laughs> right, right. And I think that's why the episodes of Boba Fett. Uh, were inserted the way they were because mm. if you watch all of book of boba fett that season those that episode almost feels like oh okay like this is cool <laughs> but like why is it happening now right, right it almost feels like the decision was made during the filming of book of boba fett mm -hmm. to to bring him back into the fold and like get ready for grogu to be a part of the mando going forward because if you think about it grogu really doesn't have any big purpose this season he's just kind of mm -hmm. there because people love him uh, and so that's my first thought is like, I don't think this season was ever supposed to really have Grogu in it. I think it was supposed to be the Bo-Katan versus Din Djarin season. And so when they had to go and like readdress, okay, how are we going to do this and see, you know, with Grogu? And I think they just almost redid a lot of the season because mm -hmm. I think the, the skeleton of the season is perfect for like a Bo versus yeah. Din, you know, thing going on. Even the first episode, really, it felt like that. It was like, okay, here's where we're headed. Like, they're going to have some huge battle for the Darksaber this season. Uh, and then the tone very quickly shifts uh, by the end of the first episode and really in the second episode of the season. So that was my other theory that I, I just, I don't think this was the original intention for this season, uh, especially with the extended amount of time between seasons two and three. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know how much of that was because of covid or not but i think it was like over two years so mm -hmm. you know uh, they had a long time to think about this yeah. and i don't think it is an accident that grogu's role just feels kind of purposeless at this point as much as mm -hmm. we love him i think he's just he was kind of forced into the show yeah if, if you will yeah i mean look look at what grogu has done this this season he fought off the one alien um, we learned he could spin in chairs. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, he's a big cheater in games. <laughs> he could do a mean flip. He could do a mean flip. Everyone wants to hold him. I mean, you're right. There, there isn't really anything of substance to to Grogu this this season. So, I, I gotta admit that's a pretty good theory that Grogu was not supposed to be part of season three. And I'm a little. I feel a little tilted about you know not having what we should have had with din and bo -Katan, if that's truly where this what this was supposed to be because imagine and like you know like i said earlier that conflict between them the two of them was kind of the most interesting part mm -hmm. um of that relationship now you take that you know now and again and you know i said this about the last episode when bo -Katan was leading you know the the Mandalorians on the the battle against the pirates, how it kind of everything just worked out just perfectly. Here's another example of of that happening: Bo-Katan, you know, challenging Axe Wolves and taking them out, and then right after getting the dark saber. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean, it's it's a little too clean, you know, it's a little too clean for me. Um, as much as I believe that she is the one to you know lead the Mandalorians uh, after all is said and done. Um, the road there should have been a little bit harder. Yeah. 
Yeah, it did feel a little too convenient. Yeah, and even the armor was like, oh, yeah, the helmet? Yeah, don't worry about the helmet. You know, just, right. Just like everyone's just completely okay with it. And, you know, like I said, I think she deserves the role, but I, I wish it, it, they gave a little bit more. And maybe I'm, I'm, I'm missing something where, you know, maybe it was a little bit more difficult. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, I mean, she went to Mandalore with, with, with Din. Mm-hmm. And then she happened to be also be in the waters with him, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, you're you're one of us again," you know. And you know, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Here, was is this what she wants? Does she want, you know, does she want to be a part of? And this was back when it was just the you know the the armor and them and pa- mm-hmm. and paws and all them. Does she want to be leading them? I don't know. But now that she has the ability to lead all of them, all the Mandalore, okay, now I can see the the um the how she wants to have that that title back. Yeah. You know what I feel like The Mandalorian needs? Uh, like the show The Mandalorian, not Din Djarin himself, but I feel like we need like season 1.5s, 2.5s, and 3.5s where they give us like three or four episodes where it's just backstory. And that way it doesn't, you don't necessarily need it if you're not like, you know, if you're like a casual fan, you don't have to watch it. But where if you're an invested fan in Star Wars, you know, like I would love some Bo-Katan backstory stuff because, you know, the motivations for her are still like, okay, I get, yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess, I guess that makes sense why she would want it, but you don't feel like passionate about mm-hmm. the reasoning behind it. A lot of the the motivations of the characters this season feel kind of rushed or, or not even necessarily right. rushed, just like kind of out of thin air. It's like, oh, okay, I guess Din like, wants to be, like, you know, part of the Mandalorians again. It's like, okay. Right. Um, just stuff like that. So I, I wish they'd give us some some backstory more here and there, whether that's in the form of, like, a half-season half episodes. That was kind of right. just in jest. But if they right. ever did something like that, that'd be pretty neat. And and what's cool about Star Wars now and where, where it's at is that they could – they have the ability to create that kind of content. It might not be, like, a full season – it could be a comic book. It could be a, a a book. It could be a you know young young adult book. It could be something like that, and you know we can get that stuff now. Whereas back in the eighties, the nineties, yeah, no, you had three movies, <laughs> whatever yeah. you had six movies, and you know, well, I guess you did have what what's now considered Legends or EU, but um, but I I think the and but now that that's all gone, you know that we know I don't want to upset anybody. I'm sorry about that, but you know, um. <laughs> But yeah, but we we do have the ability to they have the ability to create those stories, bridge those gaps a little bit if they really wanted to, and especially the animated. I mean, we we've been talking about it every single time. The animated series that they've come out with, mm-hmm. for the most part, have all been hits. They've all been something that you know yeah. must must watch Star Wars content, and hopefully, you know, it would be you know if they wanted to, they could also use that that medium as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I would even ar- take it a step further and argue that they've been better than the live mm-hmm. action stuff a- on average. Um, sure, there's you know there's things that you know like obviously the end of season two of Mando is like you know Chef's kiss like that yeah. was so cool sort of moments. Um, but but you tend to have kind of just I don't know I have a little bit of apathy towards the third season. Like I'm like you know yeah. I'm super excited to be watching. But however, and maybe I shouldn't say, you know, 
animated shows on the whole just tend to be better because I don't know if that's necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But like there was not an episode of Tales of the Jedi that missed. Yeah. Um, right. While there might have been a few of Bad Batch that did, I feel like just the the sheer amount of a show that you're given in animated form allows you to world build in a way mm-hmm. where characters don't feel rushed. <laughs> Um, you can adequately complete a storyline in a way that feels very satisfying and uh, and deserving to the characters who they built. And not to say that not to say that that's always true in live action, because um, I feel like the progression of Din Djarin's character has been yeah. pretty good over the three seasons. Um, it's just this third season where I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, there's some stuff where I'm like. I guess that right. could be a motivation, but it seems rushed or I don't know. And and I think the the length of the season does matter as well. Eight yeah. episodes isn't a lot. So as consumers, as people watching it, you want them to be action-packed. You want them to move the story along. Um, what do we have? Two episodes left? <laughs> yeah, only two. <laughs> so if, if in, so we're, you know, what six eight? So we're three. We're seventy five percent through the season. Am I happy with what I've seen in seventy five percent of this season? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say this isn't exactly where I I hoped it would be. Um, well, is it though? I mean, <laughs> well, it's just like what is really what have we really accomplished in the overall scheme of the show? I would say the only thing that the show has added on the overall scope of everything is that we now kind of understand that the purpose is very much centered around the Mandalorians and the uniting of the Mandalorians. Um, there's this group of very, I guess, zealous, if, you, if I was to use the word of Axe Wolves, uh, who mm-hmm. described Din Djarin as a zealot, this zealous group of Mandalorians who are like the old ways and then sort of these privateer Mandalorians who... I guess now are almost being united all under Bo-Katan. And that's kind of the story of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Moff Gideon <clears throat> is lurking somewhere in the background, assumingly. But other than that, like they've taken six episodes to basically say, we're trying to unite Mandalorians. And I mean, we've been to Mandalore, but not, you know, as a collective with all of them. Mm-hmm. Or So uh, <laughs> maybe that won't even happen in the next two episodes. Yeah, right. who, who knows? I mean, next episode is, I, I would think they'll probably have the two groups, you know, commingling right. with one another. I hope that's not the whole episode. I would like to get to see Mandalore next episode if we can, but I, I worry <laughs> that, like, nothing truly significant is going to happen before the end of this season. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about what, you know, how we approach Bad Batch and, you know, watching that. Does everybody make it out of the season? That was that was the one thing that really took the finale over the top was the loss of tech. Do yeah. we lose some? Do we lose somebody here? I have a thought on that though. Like, as long as it's not Grogu, Din, or Bo, like, would yeah. I care? Right. Honestly, because outside of those three characters, who else in this show, if we lost them, would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're gone. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. armor, like. I wouldn't yeah. care that much, honestly, if I'm yeah, being right. real. Like pa- Paz Vizsla? Yeah, like, <laughs> like okay, they're go- you know, that's kind of sad, but, you know. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I, like, Din, Bo, and Grogu, 
99% are both going to make it to the end of the season. Right, right. So I just, I don't, I don't foresee us, uh, you know, the death of a character in the next two episodes that will significantly emotionally impact the audience watching it. Right. Which is also a reason I think Bad Batch has an edge. Uh, season two of Bad Batch has an edge over season three of The Mandalorian because right. it was able to make us care in a way that I don't think a lot of us understood we cared about those characters. If If we can go back, whatever, 17 weeks and tell ourselves that, that we were going to care more I know, about right? Bad Batch yeah. than, than, than uh, season two of Bad Batch over season three of Mandalorian. We, the, those us would laugh at the us not right now. Right. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's what's great about the animated stuff, like you said, like, you know, because there was so many characters, I mean, that you had to kind of follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they've done a really good job over the time to really, you know, make you really care about them. And even bring back some some older faces like a Rex, like a Cody, mm-hmm. and um, made it even better. But and and I think I mentioned this last week, where I said if they bring in new people now, <laughs> I it's just I'm not gonna care about it as much. And but I didn't realize it was gonna be Jack Black and Lizzo <laughs> or uh, Christopher Lloyd. Um, but like I said, I, if if this if this season was maybe ten episodes. Um, I wouldn't feel so su- such an urgent uh, urgency to like let's move this along because because in reality, I wanted I needed just the last what five ten minutes of this episode right right that was, that was that's what we kind of really needed um, to move any of the storyline along um, but like you said the first what was it thirty thirty five minutes yeah or at least it was, half an hour yeah yeah was all this side quest of of trying to and you know wh- right when right when uh jack black's character uh captain was a bomb bombardier i think yeah breakfast. yeah when they said oh well we're having this problem i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh okay. here we go but, but i will say i will say i always do as much as annoying and squeaky those battle droids were like uh, the the B one or the B one series droids uh-huh. were like in the Clone Wars. It 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 kind of feels like home whenever you actually hear them. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I, I would agree. Like, oh. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is cool. You know, like you know, Roger Roger. You just remember all of that, <laughs> and um, so it, it it gives you it gives you the feels again. So, um, and that's why I could say, you know, although maybe it wasn't like their best episode. I, you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, I, I enjoyed the entertainment side of it. I thought the planet was really pretty. I thought yeah. having all the aliens there was kind of cool. I thought the whole concept of, and we didn't even touch on this, the whole concept of just being so reliant on technology, mm-hmm. on droids, on internet, that's probably speaking to the masses of all of us, you know, where, where you know, we, maybe we're a little too dependent on computers, on our phones and things like that. So I thought that was a nice little uh, addition to the to the episode. A uh, little commentary for, and you know, Star Wars is always going to ha- throw those little jabs at us to be like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of what's going on right now." Um, maybe, maybe it's not exactly what we expected from our Star Wars, but when you notice it and you realize it, you look in the mirror and say, "Oh, that's kind of us right now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, oh, oh, I know something else I wanted to uh, mention. Uh, we we kind of just glanced over this portion of the episode, I guess, because it didn't really have any uh, Im- importance to the overall. A scheme of things but at the beginning of the episode um <laughs> the mon calamari prince um and then the other species it's they're also on 
the same planet. I, I wish I could I could remember the name of the species. Yeah. Uh, Starts it, with a G, I think. Yeah, comment down below if you're watching on YouTube <laughs> what the name of that uh, species is that that also inhabits the same planet as the Mon Calamari. But all all throughout like the Clone Wars, they're shown as being like like the Mon Calamari are like the good guys, and then the um, whatever the name of the other species is are seen as like the bad guys, like the ones that side with the Separatists, and then later on the ones that side with the Empire instead of the Republic or the the Rebels, I guess at that point. Um. Like this was the first time where we've really seen those two sides, like, you know, you know, being being the uh, the presumed uh, in love couple that they are. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to incorporate some some Star Wars lore in the episode. Um, but the other thing, and I had this spoiled for me on Star Wars Reddit, which is the only reason I'm bringing it up. The uh, Mon Calamari prince on that ship is actually from the very first episode of the Mandalorian. Um oh. when uh what's his name? Grief Cargo when he uh meets Din Djarin for the first time in that little I don't know if it's a like a, a hangout yeah. or a bar and he shows him the hologram. <gasps> it's a hologram of that Mon Calamari oh, prince. Oh uh, so that's like, cool. I was like, oh dang, I wish I would have noticed that myself. But oh uh, that's nice. Shout out to Reddit. Yeah. For uh, for noticing that one, that was something oh, yeah. kind of neat. I thought I wanted to bring up too. They'll they'll definitely always bring yeah Reddit and the internet, Twitter everywhere will yeah <laughs> will spoil everything for you. Trust me, I know that from last week. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, a quick thought. Okay, I I was telling Jelly before we started recording. I have a little thought experiment in regards to the dark saber. I didn't tell him it was about the dark saber. Okay. But um, do you want to do that first, or do you want to rate the episode first? Uh, let's rate. Let's rate first, and then we'll go into that. Okay. You got a rating, or you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. This is tough, because I feel like you almost have to rate the episode in two different ways. Like, if I was rating just from, like, a, how good was it, like, in terms of the quality of the episode, I don't know. I'd probably give it, like, a B. Uh, but if I was going off of, like, just my personal enjoyment of the episode... I mean, it was a fun episode. Don't get me wrong. And as a diehard Scooby Doo fan, I was like, okay, I'm I'm here for it. I don't mind this. But it's just it was lacking. Um, the guest appearances were fun. I didn't hate any of them. I thought they all did just fine in their roles, but in a way that it was a little bit distracting. And of course, it didn't pertain to the plot as a whole very well. So. I'll go C plus as my final okay. final grade. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I always had I also had that those thoughts of how do you grade something where you, there's so many different factors in this one in comparison to other episodes where mm -hmm. you know the enjoyment does not match up with the content. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, where I I would have also just kind of given it a B, just generally speaking, but. With this being the sixth episode of an eight-episode uh, season, I wanted more um, as far as, you know, moving the story along. Um, because honestly, and I, I said this already, you, could, you can cut out the first 30 minutes and mm. have the exact same amount of content that you need, you know, to move this episode further. Now, you don't get to see Lizzo and Jack Black, but, you know, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what you'd sacrifice for that. But, so yeah... I, 
So I'm I'm gonna go with you, C plus, uh, on this episode. Um, not because I didn't enjoy it, I did like it. Um, but the critical side of me has taken over a little bit, where I I I wanted a little bit more as far as um the storyline. Yeah, I think I think, and I've been at this point for a while. I think I got to this point. Probably Book of Boba Fett was when I when I got to this point, but definitely through some of the tougher episodes of Bad Batch, was that I'm I'm very okay with however an episode is. Even if I don't enjoy it, I kind of just have learned that in this era of Star Wars, there's going to be stuff that hits for me, and there's going to be stuff that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was definitely one that probably more didn't than did. Right, yeah. Um, and that's uh, totally fine. Yeah, I'm totally cool fine. with that. There's going to be yeah. people out there. There's going to pe- be people out there that this is the first Star Wars episode they've ever seen because they're a huge Lizzo fan, mm-hmm. and they're like, did you hear Lizzo was in Star Wars? And they're like, oh my gosh, no way. I've never seen any Star Wars. I should watch Star Wars. So, you know, right. the, the the fandom of Star Wars comes in all shapes and sizes. It's a spectrum. There's going to be people who are watching this for the first time, and that's great. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, if that brings someone new to Star Wars, awesome. Did I love the episode? No, but that's okay. Yeah, right. And I mean, I've been... This was the first time that I've I've done this since we started this podcast, where I I looked at Twitter just to kind of see what the general <laughs> feel was for the episode, uh-huh. and it is it's literally down the middle. I mean, it's there are people that just do not like it at all, and there are people that absolutely love it. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. So, so so there there's a you know I was more interested in how that was going to be, and just like how you and I started at the top of this this episode. We knew that this wasn't going to be for everybody, and yeah. where you and I kind of set in that little middle area, that gray area that we always like to talk about, um, where we're just like, I will still enjoy it. I still like Star Wars, and I'll, you know, I'll appreciate all the art that's given out from it. That we know that there are people on both sides of that spectrum where they'll say, "Well, this isn't Star Wars enough," or <laughs> "This is, you know, this is too much Star Wars," you know. So I mean, there's. Um, so I, I think we're in a good spot where we can just be like, no, it's fun. I enjoyed it. And, you know, let's, let's see what happens next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the next two are are satisfying ending to the season. And most of all, I hope there's not another two year window between seasons three and four. Uh, Let's hope (laughs) for all Star Wars fans sakes. Um, so C pluses from both of us. I feel like that's a pretty fair grade. Yeah. Okay. I have a fun thought experiment for you. Mm-hmm. And it pertains to the episode in particular because um, the episode concludes, of course, with uh, Din giving, in quotations, to giving the Darksaber to Bo-Katan. Of course, the rightful reasoning being that she defeated the mechanical thing that defeated him in episode two of this season. Uh, the, the mercenary Mandalorians led by Axe Wolves you know, they're like, yeah, I, that makes sense. We recognize that. We recognize you as the leader of, of us now. Um, so everyone seems to be on the same page in regard to Bo-Katan being, I guess, the rightful leader of Mandalore. Um, so I wanted to pose a question. And a part of this is a little bit of conjecture and, and meant to be kind of silly because the exact details of what makes someone the rightful owner of the Darksaber seem to not be coherent most uh, sometimes 
Mm-hmm. And and I'll 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 go back all the way, I guess. So um Bo-Katan receives the dark saber as a gift from uh uh Sabine in Rebels, right? Right, yes. yes, yes. So if we are to assume that the rules of the dark saber require battling someone else in single combat, that would mean that Bo was never the rightful owner and would also mean that however Moff Gideon acquired it from Bo means that he was never the rightful owner, meaning Din Djarin was never the rightful owner, which would also mean Bo is now not the rightful owner. So that was something I started thinking about, right? So the way that Sabine gets the Darksaber, she steals it from Maul, does not win it from Maul. Right. So technically, the Darksaber was still Maul's, right? Now, I did some research. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You don't have to have the Darksaber in your physical possession or even use it in that single combat uh, for oh. it to be won by the other person, <laughs> oh right? I don't know where you're going. So, there's three different lines of thought, actually. Okay. Okay. One line of thought is that, so in the, Clo- in the Clone Wars, Maul defeats uh, Pre Vizsla, wins the Darksaber in single combat. He challenges him, wins it fair and square. Maul is the rightful ruler of Mandalore, according to Mandalorian customs at that point. So, um, Maul is defeated in combat by before the end of his life by three different people. And so I'm going to explore three different lines okay. of thought that all ironically end the same. And we'll, we'll get to that point in, in a second. Uh, enticing. Yes. So <laughs> the first line of thought, the first person who Maul uh, faces, or uh, who I should say loses to in combat after winning the Darksaber from Pre Vizsla, is Sidious. When Sidious confronts Maul and Savage um, mm-hmm. in, in combat, right? Maul actually does use the Darksaber in this and loses to Sidious. Uh, even though he doesn't kill him, he does lose to him in combat. So, Sidious, okay. we can assume after that point, if we want to uh, assume him as the rightful heir or the rightful uh, ruler of Mandalore, we can assume he doesn't lose in combat until... Return of the Jedi. When who defeats him? Darth Vader. So it is also within Mandalorian custom that if someone uh, dies in uh, dies being the rightful ruler of Mandalore and is in possession, n- not physical possession, but ownership, I should say, of the Darksaber, then they then pass it on to their eldest born, which in this case would be Luke. <laughs> so according right. to that line of thought, Luke is the rightful Ruler okay. of Mandalore. Right. Okay. Did you follow me on that one? I got it, yes. Okay. The counter-argument to that one is that because Sidious did not challenge Maul to single combat, and it was technically him versus Savage and Maul, that this is not within the rightful rules of a Mandalorian challenge in order to inherit the Darksaber upon winning the fight. So put that aside and say that doesn't count, right? Okay. The next person Maul loses to in combat is in the newest season of The Clone Wars mm-hmm. when Ahsoka defeats him. Okay, right? So, that would mean that upon defeating him, Ahsoka is then the rightful owner of the Darksaber. And you'd probably say, well, okay, that makes her the rightful ruler of Mandalore. But 
uh, in the Twilight of Apprentice. I feel like I'm going such down a rabbit hole right here, so I'm sorry. No, but in a Twilight of a, uh, Twilight of an Apprentice episode of Rebels, she does technically lose, even though Ezra uh, helps her evade. <laughs> she does technically lose the battle to who? Vader. Darth Vader, who <laughs> was never, we can assume, bested in combat after that point, died. And then would pass along the dark saber to who? To Luke. To Luke. Right, so right. in that scenario, Luke is the rightful ruler of Mandalore. If we want to assume Darth Vader did not lose uh, a combat fight after Ahsoka, right? So, um, the third route is that uh, Maul losing to Kenobi in the desert of Tatooine makes Kenobi the rightful ruler of Mandalore. True. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that one would technically end in Luke or not. But anyways. Wait, so... Kenobi? Doesn't he get defeated by Vader? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that, that, was, that was what I was... Okay, that's how it all connected. Thank you. Okay, I was, I was thinking like, wait, how did this one end in Luke when I was thinking of it? You're exactly right. right. right so right. in episode four, of course... Uh, Vader defeats Kenobi. Uh, Vader, as we've said twice already, uh, you know, dies at right, and so passes along the uh, dark saber to who? Luke. So in all three scenarios, Luke is the rightful ruler of Mandalore. If we're in going fact, by, you have to win it in battle rules. In fact, doesn't Kenobi get beat twice now by Vader with the new Kenobi series? Oh, technically. <laughs> Right. Wait, okay, so that would make Yes, but I think the the Maul fight takes place after the Kenobi after. series. Okay, it does, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um But regardless, any any one of those three scenarios, whether you go down the Sidious path, right, the Ahsoka path, or the Kenobi path, whoever defeated Maul, they all technically would end in Luke being the rightful ruler of Mandalore, if we assume that the eldest uh <laughs> inherits once the father passes away my mind is blown so that was just a a big rabbit hole i took us down all that to say does bo katan have any rightful (laughs) does she have any right to claim the rule of mandalore (laughs) Uh, listen i i didn't read up on the um all of the articles of law in mandalore (laughs) Um, like you did apparently, but I, I, I think I think you've got an argument. I think if we had some lawyers here, if if Luke lawyered up, um, <laughs> he might be able to uh, have an argument here against Bo against Bo-Katan. I mean, it's all a little bit silly, but there right. is a there is a point in so in Rebels, Sabine like gives it to her, yeah, right. And Bo does not have this hesitation that she has had throughout the Mandalorian. Uh, mm-hmm. We're at the end of season two when. And Jaren tries to give it to her. She's like, I can't take that. We've seen it all throughout season three. She's like, I can't take that. Um, and so now, I don't know. That is why this episode, to me, kind of felt like, okay, hold on. We need to like actually right. break down and examine what necessitates someone having not physical uh, possession of the saber, but ownership as the mandalorians would call it and right right and therefore being the rightful ruler so 
I don't know. It begs an interesting question. I don't think they're going to delve into it. I don't think Luke's going to come from somewhere this season and be like, that's my Darksaber. You're right, right. But, you know. And here's how. Yeah. <laughs> and then that would really be like a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo got it from Din, who got it from Moff Gideon, who got it from Bo, who got it from yeah, Sabine, who stole it from Darth Maul. And it's just like, you could just yeah, yeah, see yeah. like, the mystery incorporated gig puzzling yeah. together this this no, it's, string it's that, of clues it's that, one, and... it's that one gif of uh from i forget what the name of that actor but it was it's all the red strings that yeah, yeah. into the map yeah that's exactly yeah. what this is here no that's that i mean probably won't happen <laughs> no i don't think it will either i just thought but it was but i mean yeah. but i think i i think it's like you said a very good uh interesting thought you know thought to have um no, that's that's that was that was fun. I enjoyed, I enjoyed, because I I was always like like one step ahead of you. I'm like, oh, I know where you're going after this, and <laughs> yep, it's Vader. <laughs> you know, it goes yeah. to Vader. But I, I honestly think this might be the end of like even that line of thinking. Like, oh, so whose whose dark saber is it? I don't even think we're gonna be talking about it anymore after this episode. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's just gonna be like, oh, okay, that's Bose. Like they're not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah, but but it, you know now that we've kind of gotten here, mm-hmm. I mean yes, okay. So you presume that the Mandalorians will all reunite. What's next season going to be about? <laughs> you know, like what you know what what kind of what storyline do you care about at this yeah. point? I mean, if if the Mandalorians are all united, you know, <clears throat> the the only the one part that's still kind of out there. Is the best car metal that was found on the on that ship that had that was transporting Gideon? You know, right. do we now assume that X Wolves and his crew were responsible for that because they were kind of a for hire type of group? Did the you know and because Moff Gideon was, you know, maybe he had the funds in order for them to to you know to buy them off and do something like that. I don't know, you know, so. Maybe that's where the last couple episodes will show that conflict, because as you know, conflict is what you need to get things interesting, you know. Yeah. So I, I think we we need to have that, and but but now everyone is you know, presumably like all happy and like oh yeah, like you said, everyone's on the same page. Bo-Katan's our leader. Everyone, let's go follow her, you know. So, um, but if you have all of Mandalor the Mandalorians together with that, I don't know if there's any other interesting parts coming up. Yeah, I mean, the only other outliers are really, like, where's Moff Gideon? Mm-hmm. How does, I guess, the, the episode with Dr. Pershing and um, mm-hmm. Kane, I can't remember her first name. Um, uh, Ellie? Ellie? Elia? Yeah, Elia, I think. Elia, um, I think it was Elia, you're right, yeah. Yeah, like, that's kind of an outlier. But honestly, at this point, I don't even think they're going to address it in the last two episodes. Like, I think this season will end probably without us knowing much about what her intentions are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of just like a taste of something we'll probably get to learn more about in season four. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great point. I don't, I don't really see where we'll be at the end of this season as being much further from where we are right now. Right. And, and I wonder if there is a little bit of play of the higher ups saying, okay, let's keep extending it. Maybe this was supposed to be a three epi- three season type of show. In the in the eyes of uh, Filoni and John Favreau, and um, 
And now they're just like, that, yeah, let's keep pushing this stuff out. People are eating this Mandalorian stuff up. Let's keep going. I th- I and, think I ho- there, and I hope that's not the case, but I mean. I think there was recent news that John Favreau has actually written the next one, maybe two seasons of this show mm, already. Okay. Okay. Um, maybe that was in reaction to Disney being like, oh, no, you have to include Grogu. But John was like, I'm going to just write out the next seasons <laughs> way far in advance so that, you know. Yeah. If Disney wants to make their changes, that I, I can give it to them way ahead of time, or right, right. or maybe he's like, I don't want them to make their changes, so I'm just gonna write it way ahead of time. Yeah, right. Oh, that's here already. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, also worth noting, one of the last things I was gonna bring up was that next week's episode is not only written by John Favreau, as every single episode is, uh, but also written by Dave Filoni. So oh, this is one of two episodes this season. The other being episode four, I believe, The Foundling. Uh, that was written not only by John, but also by Dave. All right, so theory time. <laughs> Ahsoka's, in let, the, Ahsoka's in the next episode. I sure hope so, because the show I needs mean, a little needs a little well, spice right now. Well, I, because I, it'll, it's it's an easy launching point for her series, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the season, you know, to so I Which, think that would be perfect. Which, by the way, I don't think we have an official date for yet. Also, we, we wanted to mention, uh, and I, I failed to bring it up at the beginning of the podcast, that Star Wars Celebration uh, is this coming weekend. And so... Have fun, everyone. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We wish we were there. This will probably be our last episode without us knowing the release date of Ahsoka, which is exciting as well. I hope Ho- so. Hopefully, Please we have that info it. next week. Can you imagine if they're like, May 4th? Oh man! Speaking of May Fourth, we do get um, visions. Visions season two. There was one other thing, or maybe two. The Jedi wasn't that the Jedi Academy or whatever that. Oh, was the kids' show one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. And of course, the new game's coming up April twenty eighth. Yep, yep. Jedi uh, Survivor. In what is that? Three weeks? A little, little mm-hmm. less than four weeks. So, lots of uh, lots of exciting stuff on the horizon. Also, thanks for uh, bearing with my my prolonged <laughs> thought experiment. Listen. I've had so many conversations with Star Wars friends and fans <laughs> that that was nothing. <laughs> I said it was going to be three to five minutes, and I think it was more like ten. But that's, no, that's, what, fine, that's no. okay. No, no, and that's. Uh, I was going to say we could make that into a YouTube short, but there was nothing short <laughs> about it. So, yeah. It was... <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe we might we might try to work some some editing magic or something on it. Uh, any more thoughts on Mando or, or anything in regards to what we discussed today before we sign uh, like, off? Like we said, I can't believe we've got two more episodes of this. Um, at, f- at, from a podcast standpoint, I'm excited to get past The Mandalorian because then we can kind of just start thinking about things that we that you and I can just yeah. talk about. Um, I had a lot of fun in, what was that, January when we were just coming up with our own ideas yeah. to um, talk about and just discuss. Um, but we, I think we've delved into a little bit more of the new stuff, the Star Wars celebration, you know, releases of books and all that stuff. Uh, we've incorporated that into episodes now. Um, but no, I'm excited not only for the end of the episodes of Mandalorian, but to see what we're going to do afterwards. Yeah, definitely. And if anyone is listening, whether you're on Spotify, Apple, or or if you're watching on YouTube, um, we do have those those old uh, those older episodes we did in January. Uh, where we covered stuff like the original Clone Wars show, uh, the the Star Wars, uh, what was it called? The 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 seventies holiday, holiday, holiday special, yeah, holiday it was, it special. Was special. 
nothing special. Yeah, it was special, all right. <laughs> uh, so if you're interested in checking out our reactions to those, those are uh, still available and up to watch on the Hop Hangout YouTube channel. Well, uh, we appreciate each and every one of you listening so, so very much. Again, Star Wars Celebration this weekend. Lots of exciting stuff there. Uh, Jedi Survivor, Star Wars Vision Season 2. Lots of upcoming stuff to be extremely excited about. And uh, let's hope these last two weeks of Mandalorian are great stuff. Hopefully, hopefully, next week's episode, also co-written by Dave. Hopefully, that's going to be great. We'll be... I will die if Ahsoka's in the episode. I, I'll be so happy. Uh, but we'll be here covering both that episode and the one the following week. Super stoked for both of those. Remember, you can always tweet at us at Hot Hangout. Definitely hit us with a follow over there on the Twitterverse. Uh, or you can always email us, hothangout at gmail.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, Star Wars related or otherwise. Thank you so, so very much again for 100 subscribers here on YouTube, if you're watching the video version of the podcast, we very much appreciate you. And uh, any last thoughts, Joey? Jack Black was in Star Wars. <laughs> Jack Black is now officially a part of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> uh, well, we love and appreciate each and every single one of you. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll see you in the next one, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>